It is the second Sunday night of the month, and as we often do on the second Sunday night of the month, we reserve tonight's lesson to deal with questions that have been submitted, either by members or guests even. And if you ever have a question that you want us to deal with on this Sunday night, you can either just give that to me face-to-face, you can call me, you can drop a little note in the boxes that are outside my office door, you can email me, and we'll get to any questions that you have that, that, that are appropriate to answer before the congregation. Not because I have all the answers, but because the Bible has the answers. And of course, we don't want to do anything with this lesson that might suggest to any of us that uh, all of our questions should be answered by the preacher. We're not doing that. It's just, I think, a a good thing for us to do with the congregation to take some time and find out what issues are relevant in the minds of the brethren and just make sure that we spend some time dealing with those. And so that's what we're doing tonight. Tonight's question, actually, we've had for quite some time and just hadn't gotten around to it yet. The question is, what about fasting? The Bible mentions fasting at least 40 times, and yet it's kind of one of those issues that we often wonder today, well, what are we supposed to do with that? Is it commanded? Is it something we're supposed to do? Are we required to do it? If so, when and how? And and if not, what should we do with it? So I'd like for us to take just a few moments this evening and ask this question, what about fasting? What should we do as New Testament Christians with this issue of fasting? We're going to have lots of scriptures that we're going to at least reference on the screen because we have so many that we're going to be going through quickly. I won't necessarily go and turn to all of the ones that we refer to on the screen. However, I do have outlines that we will have on the table in the back in the foyer. Once the lesson is over tonight, feel free to get that and study all the passages as much as you want. But I hope what we do do tonight, what we do talk about, and what we do reference hopefully will be beneficial to us spiritually as we learn a little bit more about fasting and what God's Word says about it. Before we do that, would you pray with me, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we're so thankful for your love and your mercy. We're thankful for how you have blessed us to be here with your children tonight, to worship you, to edify one another, to lift your name up in praise and in song and to pray to you. Father, we're thankful for the opportunities that we have to serve you and the opportunities we have to spend time with your children. We pray that you would bless us in all of that. Father, we ask that you would be with us tonight as we take a look at this very interesting question about fasting that our hearts will be open to your word, that we'll be influenced by what you have to say about it, and that we'll serve you and glorify you and worship you in accord with your word and will. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for loving us. Through your Son we pray. Amen. So what about fasting? I think the first thing we need to do is we need to just ask the question, what is fasting? Fasting is abstaining from a physical need or desire abstaining from a physical need or desire. Most often we think of a fast as a food fast. For instance, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16 and 21, you'll remember when David's child with Bathsheba was dying, he fasted. And just very specifically in verse 21, it says that the people asked him, he said, we don't get it, when your child was sick, you fasted. And then when he died, you arose and ate. And see, that that shows that he abstained from eating the food. But food is not the only thing. For instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 5, we seem to have a sexual fast demonstrated there. And let's just go ahead and read that one because that seems a little bit odd to us. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 5, it says, Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Fasting is abstaining from a physical need or desire. Now, throughout Scripture, I think these are the only 
the only kind of fast that I've actually seen demonstrated in Scripture. But I guess we could say that fasting might apply to anything that you might give up. You might say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to have a television fast. I, I'm not going to watch TV this week. That, that would be a, a fast of sorts. But, of course, it's not ever mentioned anything like that in Scripture. I know some folks have taken the concept of fasting, and they've talked about specific food fasts. For instance, instead of giving up eating altogether, we say, well, I'm going I'm to take a week and I'm not going to eat any chocolate. Or I'm going to take a week and I'm not going to drink any Coke. And while that might be good for you and that might be beneficial, and I'm not saying that's bad, I'm not, it's just I don't know of any place in Scripture where fasting is described as taking a specific food and abstaining from it. I just, I just don't find any place in Scripture where that's, where that's described that way. And I think we're going to find a reason for that. Fasting in Scripture, well, we'll just go ahead and say it. Fasting in Scripture, while the word fast can refer to abstaining from something for any reason, in Scripture almost always it refers to abstaining from a physical desire or need in order to focus on a spiritual desire or need. Almost without fail, there are a couple of exceptions we're going to look at in a few moments, but almost without fail, the idea of fasting in Scripture is I am going to abstain from a physical need or desire in order to focus on a spiritual need or desire. For instance, there in 1 Corinthians 7, if you're still there, what did it say? You might, go, you might separate for a time in order to do what? Devote yourselves to prayer. Basically what this means is, husbands and wives, you may go a week without having sexual relations. That's not a fast. However, if you take a time when you would have had sexual relations and you devote that time to prayer or to Bible study, now that's a fast. Biblically. Okay, we recognize from the passage we looked at a moment ago, we thought about 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 16 and 21. What was David doing? He wasn't eating. Why? So he could pray. So he could ask God and petition him about the life of his son. It wasn't just, I'm just not going to eat. It was, instead of eating, I'm devoting myself to prayer. The prayer is so important, I will forego the meals. Some other passages that deal with this issue. In 1 Kings chapter 21, and verse 27, Ahab has been rebuked by Elijah. He puts on sackcloth and ashes, and he fasts. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 9, we know about Saul after he saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he goes into the city, and he spends three days without eating. What's he doing? He's praying. But this was all a part of, they were repenting. They realized they had done wrong, and so they were so devoting themselves to praying to God about their repentance that they didn't eat. They abstained. We have some other passages. We've got in Psalm 35 and verse 13, uh, Psalm 35 and verse 13, David talked about fasting while he prayed for his sick enemies. Okay, so it's abstaining from food in order to devote himself to a spiritual activity. Now, this is an interesting one. I do want us to turn to this passage, just because this, to me, uh, was, was one of the surprising things that I found. In Psalm 69, Psalm 69 and verse 10. Psalm 69 and verse 10. Here David wrote, When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting. Then look at Ezra chapter 8 and verse 21. Ezra chapter 8 and verse 21. Here in Ezra chapter 8, the children of Israel are trying to make a return back to Israel from the captivity. 
And Ezra said in 8 verse 21, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from Him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. Here, fasting was demonstrated to be a means of humbling ourselves before God. The idea is, when I am pushing my needs and my desires aside in order to focus on God's desires, I'm humbling myself. I'm demonstrating that God is worthy and I'm not. That God is the power and I am not. That God is God and I am not. That His needs and His desires are more important than mine. So fasting was something that was done and they would do that to humble themselves before God. But still it's the idea of abstaining from something physical in order to focus on something spiritual. But now having seen that fasting was considered humbling ourselves before God, we're not quite as surprised to see this next one. That fasting was seen as a form of worship, or at least was connected with worship. If we don't want to, if we don't want to go so far as to say that fasting was considered an act of worship, at least it was closely connected to worshiping God. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 37. Luke chapter 2 and verse 37. Speaking of Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, it says, Then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. How was she worshiping? She was worshiping with fasting and prayer. And then we see in Acts chapter 13 and verse 2, Acts chapter 13 and verse 2, after, whoops, sorry to read verse 3. Acts chapter 13 and verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord, some of your translations say ministering to the Lord, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So here we find that fasting was actually linked with worship. Actually worshiping God. But, but the point that we're noticing here, we'll come back to that concept of fasting as worship in a few moments. But what I want us to notice here is just the definition. Biblically, Fasting is abstaining from a physical need or desire to devote time to a spiritual need or desire. Almost without fail. There are just one or two exceptions, a couple of exceptions, but pretty much if you see the word fast, it doesn't just mean that they abstained from eating. It meant that they abstained from eating in order to do something spiritual. Okay? Now, here are the exceptions. There are some things, and we see this in Scripture, that we might call natural fasts. And this really, this is really just natural. I mean, if you're, a lot of folks, when they've gone through something very traumatic or very sad or very upsetting, what happens? They lose their hunger, right? Uh, I mean, if you've ever been, if you, you've lost a loved one or, or somebody that's very close to you is really sick, sometimes, or, or maybe you're really sick, sometimes you just lose your hunger. And it's not that you made a decision that, okay, I'm going to fast, and, and, and while I'm fasting, then I'm going to pray to God. It's just the fact that I'm just, just naturally, I just don't feel like eating. I'm so, I'm so tore up by what's going on in my life and what's going on around me that I just go without eating. For instance, we see this in 1 Samuel chapter 31 and verse 13. The men of Jabesh-Gilead, after Saul and Jonathan were killed, they went and got the bodies and buried them properly, and then it said they fasted for seven days. This was an issue of mourning. Or we see another one in Esther chapter 4 and verse 3. After the decree that went out to the Jews that uh, uh, they, they were all going to be killed on a certain day. They fasted because they were mourning. And I, I don't think that this necessarily means that they were doing some spiritual activity as much as the, just the sheer mourning, the weight of what they were facing 
distracted them from eating. One more we have in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 18. You remember when Darius had to put Daniel in the lion's den. In Daniel chapter 6 and verse 18, it says that he went back and he wouldn't eat, he fasted, and he didn't allow any distractions to be brought in. Now, I don't think it's saying that Darius was humbling himself before Jehovah God as much as it's saying that he was so overcome with worry and distress about Daniel that he just the, the, the idea of eating just wasn't a part of what he was going to be doing that night. He, he didn't want to be distracted with other things. He was focused on that worry and distress. So we do see this, this exception that sometimes there are the, the, the concept of a natural fast. May not necessarily be a spiritual activity. It may be just through worry or grief or mourning. Just the mind is taken away from doing those physical things and not not thinking about that quite as much. The final thing that we need to recognize is that we don't need to think when it comes to fasting that there's a set length of time that makes it fasting. For instance, we know that Moses in Exodus 34 and 28 and then Jesus in Matthew 4 and verse 2, they fasted for 40 days. I remember when I was a kid, I used to think that if you fasted, that meant you didn't eat for over a month. It doesn't have to be a month-long thing to be a fast. In fact, uh, those men in Jabesh Gilead in 1 Samuel 31 and verse 13, they fasted for seven days. Remember we talked about Saul, uh, the apostle who became the apostle Paul in Acts 9? He fasted for three days. In Esther 4.16, when Esther told all the Jews to fast before she went into the king to talk to him about that. There, she fasted for three days. David's fast that we talked about in 2 Samuel, that lasted for seven days. But when we read the context there, he didn't decide, I'm going to fast for seven days. He just started fasting because he wanted to pray to God that his son would be saved. And it took seven days before the child died. And he just fasted that long. I don't know how long he would have held out fasting. But if the child had died after two days, he'd have been done. Okay, so, but then here's an interesting one. And let's turn to this one, and I just want you to notice. In Ezra chapter 9. Ezra chapter 9, beginning at verse 3. They brought the terrible news to Ezra about the intermarriages that have been taking place between the Jews and the pagans. In verse 2. And then in verse 3 it says, As soon as I heard this, I tore my garment and my cloak and pulled hair from my head and beard and sat appalled. Then all who trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the faithlessness of the returning exiles gathered round me while I sat appalled until the evening sacrifice. And at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my fasting with my garment and my cloak torn and fell upon my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God, saying, Here's what it points out is that he, he rose from his fasting. His sitting appalled was the idea that at that moment that they came to him, he began fasting. But by the end of the day, he, he was done fasting. He rose from his fasting and he prayed. And so what, what's indicated here is that he fasted for less than a day. Basically, the point I'm making to you, you don't even necessarily have to go a whole day without, without eating in order for, be, for it to be a fast. You, you, could, you could miss a meal. And if you're taking that meal time and devoting it to spiritual activity, that's a fast. If you said, you know what, I'm going to take lunch on Monday. And instead of going to, to eat with the guys or with the ladies or wh- whatever you do when you're at work or at your home, you, say, I, I'm, you know what, I'm going to stay in my office or I'm going to go into my closet or I'm, and I'm going to pray instead of eating. Even though you ate breakfast and you end up eating supper, that's a fast. Now, 
let me make this point. You get off work late and you make it to Bible class on Wednesday night until you're at Bible class instead of fasting, but then you hit McDonald's on the way home, that wasn't, that wasn't fasting. That was just putting off your eating, okay? This, this is not, well, I'm not going to eat from 12 to 1, but I'll eat at 1.30 after I'm done praying. This is, instead of doing the physical thing, I do the spiritual thing. All right? So, but there's, there's no set time, and I just simply need to recognize that. And maybe I'm the only person in the world that ever had that idea, but I do remember as a, as a child thinking, man, I'm not ever doing that. Going 40 days without eating, that's crazy. Uh, so there's not a set time for fasting. So what is fasting? Fasting is abstaining from something physical in order to devote yourself to something spiritual. There are the natural fasts, but one thing we need to recognize is that there's no set time for fasting. If you're, if you're abstaining from something physical in order to devote yourself to something spiritual, that's a fast, no matter how long it took place. Well, do we have to fast? Must we fast? Interestingly enough, Interestingly enough, despite the fact that the Bible talks about fasting over 40 times, the Bible in neither covenant ever commands fasting. Fasting wasn't commanded even under the Old Covenant. With one possible exception. There is a possible exception. Look in Leviticus. Get it up there. Leviticus chapter 16. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 29. And it shall be a statute to you forever. This is Leviticus 16, 29. It shall be a statute to you forever that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and shall do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. And then uh, that's the same term that's used in these other passages. Leviticus 16, 29 and 31. Leviticus 23, 29 and 32. Talks about afflicting themselves. It is possible and some suggest this, that the affliction here actually does refer to fasting. And one of the reasons we might say that is the same word is used in Isaiah at a point where it's talking about fasting. It says they fasted and afflicted themselves. So it's possible that this afflicting really is a fast. But notice, if this is the command to fast, it was one day of the year, the Day of Atonement. And both passages, in fact, let's just go ahead and let's take a look at Leviticus 23, so you know I'm not making this up. Leviticus 23 is also talking about the Day of Atonement. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 29. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 29. We'll back up to verse 27. Now on the tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be for you a time of holy convocation, and you shall afflict yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord. And you shall not do any work on that very day, for it is the day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whoever is not afflicted on that very day shall be cut off from his people. So, but again, it's still talking about the day of atonement. So, one possible command, if that affliction there really does refer to fasting and not necessarily just the idea that they weren't going to do any work, one day out of the year for the Jews, they might have been commanded to fast. But other than that, it's never commanded. It's never commanded in the New Testament. The New Testament never once says, thou shalt fast. The New Testament never once says, here's when you have to fast. It just doesn't do it. However, even though it's not ever commanded, it does seem to be expected. Now, understand, when I say it's expected, I'm not saying that in the sense that, like, you might tell your kids, uh, your teenagers one day, okay, mom and dad are going out for the night. When we come home, I expect you to have your room clean. You ever said that to your kids? Yeah, well, that is a command. 
So when I say it's expected, I'm not saying that kind of expectation, just rather the fact that, that Jesus seemed to work on the presumption that we would fast. For instance, take a look in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16, Jesus said this. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. You notice, did you notice what word he used there? He didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. Now again, I don't think Jesus here is commanding fasting. I think Jesus is just speaking from the perspective that fasting is just going to be something we do. God's children are always fasting. God's children are going to fast. That's just a natural thing to do, to take away, uh, to abstain from physical desires and needs in order to devote ourselves to spiritual desires and needs. Jesus just expects that that is what we are going to do. Now, the reason why I think it's important to, to point this out it's because for those who have health issues, if you're pregnant, or you're diabetic, or you're anemic, or you're hypoglycemic, and going without a meal is, is going to be devastating to your health, even that once, I think it's important to note that God never said that a Christian has to fast, or has to fast so often, or has to fast so long. That's just not ever there. However, on the other hand, for those of us who have basically just kind of ignored fasting as that old covenant thing, I think we need to recognize that Jesus taught and Jesus spoke in a way that said he expects us to be fasting. He expects us to do it. It's a surprise to him that his children don't take times of spiritual need and fast. I think we need to consider that. Again, I'm not going to get in your face and talk about your fasting. I'm certainly not going to reveal to you my fasting history, which has not been all that great. But I think we need to recognize that Jesus really did expect his children to fast sometimes. So, when we fast, what are some guidelines? What does the Bible say about fasting? When we do it, not if, but when, what are some guidelines? Well, let's open our Bibles to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, beginning at verse 12, the Scripture says, Yet even now declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and wring your hearts and not your garments. Fasting is supposed to be a matter of the heart. It's not supposed to be a matter of just outward action. It's not just, I've decided on Tuesdays I'm going to fast. Fasting is supposed to be an issue of, in, in order to turn to God, I am rending my heart, or I'm, I'm devoting myself to His needs and desires, instead of my own physical needs and desires, from the heart, not just from a sense of, I've got to check this off my checklist. Fasting is supposed to be a matter of the heart. The second guideline, very similar to it, in Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, we'll remember that the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, why aren't your disciples fasting? In Matthew chapter 9, notice how Jesus responded. Verse 15, Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? 
The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. Now, if I, if I might just, just make another tangential comment, here's another one of those passages where Jesus just assumes that his disciples are going to fast. Because what he says is, well, they're not doing it now, but they will. Why? Well, the key that we have in the point. Fasting is not a ritual. The Pharisees treated fasting like a ritual. They fasted twice a week. Remember the Pharisee in Luke 18 that prayed, Oh God, I thank you, I'm not like other men. I pay tithes of all that I get and I fast twice a week. That was their ritual. This is what we do because we're Pharisees. We're supposed to just fast twice a week whether we need to or not. And what we learn from Matthew chapter 9, as Jesus says, look, you wouldn't, uh, friends of the bridegroom aren't going to fast during the wedding. I mean, that would, that would be inappropriate for somebody to go to a wedding feast, but it's on my fast day, and so everybody else is eating and enjoying and celebrating, and I'm pointing out to everybody, oh, no, I'm sorry, today is my fast day. He said, that's just inappropriate. And by the way, I know with those other parables, a lot of times we like to get into some deep meaning about Old Testament and New Testament and all that. I really think all Jesus is saying about the old wine and the new wineskins and the, the old cloth and the, and, and the new patch, all he's saying is, you wouldn't do that. It's inappropriate. I think that's all he's saying here about fasting. You don't do it when it's inappropriate because it's not a ritual. You do it as the appropriate response to some spiritual issue. Okay, so it's got to be a matter of the heart. It should be done as an appropriate response to some spiritual issue, not just as some ritual check off your to-do list. Thirdly, fasting according to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 16, he says, When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What do we learn about fasting? When we fast, he says, don't highlight it. Don't show it off. Don't talk to people about, well, you know how often I fasted. Oh, no, I can't eat lunch with you today. Today I'm fasting. Uh, you, know, you, you don't walk around, oh, man, I'm just so tired. I... Well, why are you tired? I'm fasting today, and I haven't eaten all day long. We're not supposed to do that. Instead, we anoint ourselves. We look like we always do. We dress up the way we dress up. We, we, we smile the way we smile. We look the way we look so that when the day is done, nobody but God knows that today we were fasting. We're not supposed to highlight that. That's between us and God. And the final guideline that I think we need to recognize from Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. We're not going to read all of the verses here, but I hope at some time you will look at the entire passage and see what it says. But I think we can get the idea from just a few of them. Isaiah chapter 58, beginning at verse 2. Yet they, they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgments of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. 
Why have we fasted and you not see it? This is, this is like a quote of them praying. Why have we fasted and you not see it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. And he goes on and talks about this. Basically, what he's pointing out is that fasting is supposed to be one part of a greater life of service to God. He says, here were some folks that they had come up with their ritual of fasting, and they had the idea that they could live however they wanted, but they would fast once or twice a week, and now God was just supposed to listen to them. His point is that fasting, even though it might be a part of repentance sometimes, fasting doesn't make up for our sins. We don't just get to live however we want and fast once or twice a week and we're good. Fasting will earn our way out of our salvation, way into salvation, out of our sins. Fasting is supposed to be one part of a greater life of service. If we're spending our days cussing and lying and cheating and stealing and with gluttony and with fornication, we can't take every Sunday and say, well, I'm going to fast today. And that just wipes it all out. So there are the guidelines I think we find in Scripture for fasting. It's supposed to be a matter of the heart. It's not a ritual. We're not supposed to highlight our fasting, highlight our fasting to others. And it is supposed to be one part of a greater life of service. Before we end tonight, I would like us to consider some times that we might fast. We're going to review some of the verses we've already used tonight. But I just thought it would be good to, to hit them again and just think in terms of, here are some times that we might actually devote ourselves to fasting. That is, abstain from something physical in order to devote ourselves to something spiritual. The first one, 1 Samuel chapter 31 and verse 13, Esther 4 and verse 3. Remember we talked about these. This is the men of Jabesh Gilead mourning about Saul and Jonathan. This is the Israelites mourning because of the decree that they were all going to be destroyed. They mourned. Now that may often happen naturally. That because of our mourning, we, we fast and turn away from some of the physical needs and desires. But sometimes it might also be a decision. Something's happened and we're mourning that. And we have sorrow in our hearts and grief. And so we fast to turn our lives over to God, to humble ourselves before Him in order to cast our cares upon Him. So it might happen sometimes when we're mourning. The second one. We've already looked at 1 Kings 21-27 and Acts 9 and verse 9. This was King Ahab, remember, who when Elijah rebuked him because of uh, what happened with Naboth's vineyard. And then Acts chapter 9 and verse 9, Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, a point of repentance. Now, I'm not trying to suggest to you that if you don't fast after you confess your sins that it's not forgiven. But I do think we need to step back and ask ourselves the question, have I ever been so upset by my own sinfulness that as I repented and prayed to God for forgiveness, I thought, I, I, I don't have time to eat today. I've got to pray to God about how sinful I've been. Have we ever remotely thought about doing that? Because that's what Saul did here. That's what Ahab did. Their sin was before them, and so they fasted to devote themselves to their prayer to God and pleading to Him for forgiveness. And, and you know, and I think this tells us something, if I might just make another tangent here. As New Testament Christians, forgiveness is something that we revel in. I mean, it's, it's the greatest thing that God has offered us through the blood of Jesus Christ, but I sometimes think that we look at it very cheaply. I've sinned. What do I do? Oh, God, would you just forgive me? Thanks a lot. And off we go. 
as if our sins really aren't that big of a deal. All we've got to do is we're just going to pop off a quick little prayer and it's all said and done. In Scripture, even though they were offered forgiveness, sin was something that was so serious that sometimes they mourned it so much, they were so grieved and sorrowed by it, that they didn't even eat while they begged God for forgiveness. Have we ever done that? Third time, petitioning. As we petition God, for instance, in Ezra chapter 8, verse 21 through 23, the passage we looked at a moment ago, where Ezra said they were humbling themselves before God, they, they needed safety on their trip from Babylon to Judea. And Ezra had said, I told the king that God takes care of his people. So I certainly couldn't go to the king and say, hey, could you give us some soldiers to protect us? So we declared a fast. They devoted themselves to petitioning God. Has there ever been something that you needed so greatly, that you felt so strongly about, something that you desired so much, that you said, you know what, I've got to pray so much about this, I'm not going to eat. I'm going to pray. I'm going to skip my lunch hour, and I'm going to pray. Because this is so important. Have we ever done that? This is a time when we might fast. Psalm 35 and verse 13. Let's go ahead and read this one again. Psalm 35 and verse 13. Because this one just really impressed me a lot. Psalm 35 and verse 13. Let's start back in verse 11. Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. But I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my mother or as one who laments his, my friend or my brother or one who laments his mother. I bowed down in mourning. He fasted while he prayed for the sick. Now, I know that somebody finds out, we find out that somebody's sick, and what do we do? We call them up and say, listen, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. Have any of us ever called somebody and said, listen, I just want you to know that I've been fasting for you? Praying for you has been so important to me that I skipped my meal. And what's even more amazing about this is these were his enemies. This wasn't his mother or his father or his brother or his sister or his kids or his best friend. These were his enemies. He said it was so important to me to pray to God and petition him on your behalf because of your health that I fasted for that. Have we ever done that? Acts chapter 13 and verse 2. Acts chapter 13 And verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. What about times of worship? And here what's interesting to me, now it's possible that he's just referring to the five teachers, or it's possible that he's referring to the church in Antioch. That while they were worshiping, I know your translation says ministering, some, some translations say ministering before the Lord and fasting. ESV says worshiping the Lord and fasting. But this is an interesting thing to me. 
And I just think about my history and my passion when it comes to fasting and what we do when it comes to times of worship. You know, it's interesting. Several, what well, boy, man, how long ago has it been? Uh, I'm trying to think somebody who, who's, who's been doing it the whole time. Brent, uh, since we started meeting at Cracker Barrel, it's been almost two years now that we've been doing that. And it's been a long time for Brent to come and see me every Thursday morning at 6.30, man, at Cracker Barrel. But when I started thinking about that, I said, boy, what am I going to do to get some guys to want to get together before they go to work and let's worship God together and study together? I said, I know. Meet at Cracker Barrel. Right? I mean, that's the thing to do. We've got to meet at Cracker Barrel. What would happen, though, if I said, you know what, guys? We want a time of worship. We're going to do it on Thursday afternoon. You skip lunch and come meet at the building, and we're going to fast and pray and sing. How many of us would show up? See, that's what they were doing. They were worshiping and fasting. Because they were worshiping or ministering to the Lord, they said, this is what we're doing right now. It's so important. We're going to take some time. We're not going to eat while we do it. I think we'd have a real hard time with that. And the reason I think that is because if one of our worship assemblies goes 15 minutes over and I have to wait 15 minutes to eat, people get mad. What if we said, we're not going to eat at all today. We're just going to worship. What would happen then? But they worshiped. And fasted. That doesn't mean that every time that we're going to worship as an individual or as a family or as a congregation that we've got to fast. But, but maybe sometime we should. Maybe sometime we should just say, you know what we're going to do today? We're going to meet from 10 to 12 and we're just going to skip lunch. Boy, what an outcry we'd have. Like some of you are going, oh man, I hope the elders weren't listening to that. Acts 13 and verse 3. If you look on into the next verse, they were about to send Paul and Barnabas off, and it said they laid their hands on them. And I closed my Bible. Let me get back over there. I want to read this one too. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Here was the work that the church was doing as they were about to send Paul and Barnabas off on their missionary journey. And to them, it was so important. This work that Paul and Barnabas were about to do was so important that they prepared for it by praying and by fasting. Have we ever prayed and fasted because some work was so important? Have we ever said, we've got a vacation Bible school coming up. We've got a gospel meeting coming up. We're about to send some money over to this brother in South Africa or over in Russia. And what we need to do to prepare for this work is we need to take a day and instead of eating, we need to be praying for it. Have we ever done that? whether individually or congregationally. Is there any part of our work as a congregation that is so important that we would say, you know what, it's time for me to take away some time for my own physical needs and desires and humble myself before God and pray to Him, beseeching Him, petitioning Him that He would bless this work. And the last one I want you to see is Acts 14 and verse 23. In Acts chapter 14 and verse 23, it says, When they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They were appointing elders in the congregation, and they said, You know what? This is, this, 
seems like a good time for us to abstain from physical needs and desires in order to devote ourselves to spiritual needs and desires. We're appointing some men as leaders, as shepherds, as pastors, as bishops in the congregation. And we need to seek God's blessing. We need to pray and fast. You know, just interesting. So a college was telling me this morning that, I don't remember if it was someplace where he was a member or just visiting one Sunday, and the preacher talked about how they were about to be pointing elders, and this might be a good time for folks to pray and fast. And somebody just pitched a, a big fit. Well, I've been in churches of Christ for 50 blue million years, and I haven't ever heard of anything like that. Well, if you'd been in the church for 2,000 years, you would, because in Acts 14 and verse 23, that's exactly what they did. But you know what? Maybe it's sad that somebody could be in a church for umpteen blue million years today and they've never seen a church do it. Have we? I hope, from looking at this list, that you feel a little afflicted. Because as I was preparing this lesson, that's exactly how I felt. You know, I wish I could say to you that when I said, have we, that I could say, I have. Because I haven't. Fasting pretty much for me has been one of those things. I mean, I've done it every once in a while. But fasting for me has pretty much been one of those things that I kind of wanted to avoid. I'm sure you could tell. One thing I do want to share with you before we close, though, something that we never, ever see fasting used for in the Bible, and that is we never, ever see fasting used to demonstrate or gain self-control. If you have a problem with gluttony, setting up a weekly fast day is not the solution. For some reason, I think folks that have, that, that's the thing where folks say, oh, you need to fast because you're a glutton. That's what you need to do. You need to show your self-control. You need to exercise some self-control. And you just need to take a day off from eating. Now, I have done that. And you know what I've done? I have actually stayed up to midnight so I could eat. See, that's what happens when we try to use fasting this way in order to exercise or gain self-control. It's kind of like Garfield said about diet. You know what that is, right? That's a period of starvation preceding a gain of 10 pounds. And if you treat fasting this way, that's all it's going to be, a period of starvation preceding gluttony. But never once do you see the Scripture use fasting in that way as a, as a means to demonstrate or develop self-control. If you've got problems with gluttony, you, you need to work on self-control, but you're probably not going to accomplish it by taking a day out of the week and just skipping your meals. Uh, that, that actually leads to eating disorder. Okay? So, what about fasting? I'm certainly not going to say to you tonight that if you've never fasted, you're going to go to hell. And I'm certainly not going to say to you tonight that if you've never fasted when you were repenting, that, that your repentance didn't really count. And I'm not going to say to you that if you've never fasted because you were praying that you haven't prayed properly. The Bible never, ever commands that we fast. But I, for one, think we ought to take very seriously the fact that our Master, our Lord, and our Savior assumed that we would. 